Hello, today we have EIR and Head of Venture Growth Strategy, Michelle Sklar, in conversation with investor Kukai Shamaha Wong, talking about building financial literacy and creating communities for change. I am excited for you all to listen to this one. Here's Michelle Sklar. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today, Kukai. Just to give a bit of a brief introduction to our listeners, I'm here with Kukai Shamahawang, uh, ESG partner at uh, the newly formed Upper Stage Capital and co-chair of the Vancouver Entrepreneurs Forum, but really so much more. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Uh, super excited to be here. Wonderful. Well, maybe you could share with us a little bit about your background and, you know, what you're involved uh, working on today. Yeah, absolutely. So I recently joined Upper Stage Capital as an ESG partner. Uh, Upper Stage Capital is a newly formed private equity fund that acquires companies. So we acquire companies that are already profitable uh, in sustainability, wellness and communities. And then we use the ESG strategies, short for environmental, social and governance factors to grow them to the next level of success. So this is a private equity fund that is different from my prior experience being in venture capital, which is mostly in the early stage investments. Um, I'm also the co-chair of the Vancouver Entrepreneurs Forum. We host eight events per year, uh, you know, for the communities and have been doing so since 1988. Um, prior to this, uh, you know, as I mentioned, you know, I worked in the VC side of things mostly. So I was with Pangea Ventures, uh, which invest in hard tech companies um, with solutions, you know, that are solving significant problems in the world, climate change, food and water, health, for example. Um, I'm also, you know, a venture partner at the 51 Food and Ag Tech Fund, investing in underrepresented founders, uh, transforming the global food systems. And my role there is to mostly help, you know, female founders as well as investors alike as well on their journey to, you know, fundraising and also, you know, growing their companies. So I, I wear multiple hats. I know that you have also been involved um, in another group that's more around kind of um, global uh, female founders. And maybe you could yeah. tell us a little bit about that work. I'm involved with, uh, first of all, the Canadian Women in VC, uh, which is a group that is set up across Canada uh, for junior, you know, venture capitalist members. So, you know, most uh, of the members are pre-partners, but there are some partners as well, like all partners and anyone's really welcome there. Um, but the goal of the Canadian Women in VC is to actually change the face of venture capital and I personally always add in the end, changing the face of venture capitalists to match the faces of the Canadian, you know, entrepreneurs. That's that's that the last part is mine. Um, but but the goal of, of the communities really are to promote and to retain, you know, uh, female investors um, because we truly believe that we cannot change, you know, again the face of entrepreneurs without having more of the investors that you know may have the same background or you know look like them from the outside perspectives. Um, aside from that, there's also the Global Woman in VC, which is a community that's been set up for, you know, quite a few years, actually. When I first joined them, there was about maybe 500 or 1,000 women. And actually today, I just received um, an email from the co-founders there who are based in the US that we have 4,000 members globally. So this field, you know, has grown tremendously. So from when I first joined, you know, VC just four, four years ago uh, to now, the amount of female investors that are entering into the space, not just female investors, but investors with different backgrounds. Um, it's, it's just uh, been phenomenal. Very exciting to see that growth for sure. I wanted to dig into um, a little bit of your own journey around financial literacy, since that's really, you know, kind of the subject that we're talking about today as part of our um, International Women's Day uh, month uh, set of campaigns. 
we wanted to tackle the topic around financial literacy, recognizing that that can be a very um, overwhelming and uh, complicated journey for anyone to navigate. Never mind if your background, where you grew up, where you went to school, the types of work that you've had, maybe didn't necessarily provide opportunities for you to have a financial literacy that now as a company builder or even, you know, wanting to consider becoming an investor, now you need to really acquire this knowledge. I'd love to learn from you what your journey looked like to get you sort of from the early days to where you are now. So before I joined, you know, a venture capital fund at Pendure Ventures, you know, four years ago, I'll be honest, I, I didn't know much about finance. Um, you know, I was coming out of the MBA school. Of course, I had, you know, some ideas around how to manage my personal finance, but I never knew, you know, the whole world of investing. I didn't know what venture capital really was before entering the VC world. So, you know, everything exactly, as you said, complicating, challenging and intimidating. I would add that. To, to it as well. Um, so, you know, it took a lot of, of time for me to to kind of just get like overcome that fear, I think is the biggest steps, the fear of, okay, I'm going to go in and jump into the whole jargons of, uh, you know, the financial, you know, words and here and there, and especially in VC too, when it, it's more than just, you know, the numbers, right? It's, it's the terms, it's, it's what the legal terms are, are being thrown around term sheets, and all the lingos that are just you know, words, really, <laughs> in the end, if you understand them, they're just words, it's not something that's scary. Um, so it took me me a while as well to, to get into it. And, um, you know, uh, and the fact that I always say this to everyone, the fact that I am still an investor today, you know, I'm, I've moved on now to private equity funds. Uh, anyone can can be an investor, anyone or even entrepreneurs, like anyone can build a financial model, anyone can do a forecasting, anyone can think about investing their own money in early stage companies, of course, you know, with the understanding that, that the risks are higher. So so where do you start? Do you Google um, what's a term sheet? Um, is there, you know, do you have a conversation um, with a potential investor? Where, where does one even begin? You know, when I first, um, you know, started exploring in this world before, you know, while, I, yes, I had a job in a venture capital fund, but no one was really teaching me things. You know, you kind of expect that you have to kind of, you know, get started, you know, yourself, right? Um, you know, when, when I first started, there weren't, you know, a ton of resources. There were podcasts, there were books and stuff. I remember going to Vancouver Library, renting, you know, Venture Deals, which is like this classic book of, of venture capital, you know, list that, that everyone reads. Um, but there weren't a ton of resources, especially communities. Um, but nowadays, there are so many <laughs> that you probably have to choose from in terms of which groups to participate in because, you know, people are now realizing the power of communities learning together, investing together, going through the journey together as investors, as entrepreneurs. I mean, E at UBC is a perfect example for, for the community for entrepreneurs, right? Um, so I, I would say that, like, just get out there, be a part of the communities, get involved, whether you're investors or just getting, you know, curious, right? Interested in what's it like to actually invest my money in, in early stage companies, maybe you get involved with, you know, the 51, maybe you get involved with the forum, which, you know, they have a ton of resources that are providing for, you know, um, rising, uh, emerging investors, I guess that's what you can call them. Uh, or if you're a female founders, I mean, there are so many groups that, that you can sign up to be a part of. And, you know, I, I personally think maybe because I'm, you know, from this side of, of the table, right, as an investor, this is the best time to be female entrepreneurs. And everyone wants to help you. 
Um, you just got to throw yourself out there. You just got to ask for help. And don't be afraid to say that I, I don't know. Because you know what? <laughs> now that I've been in this field for, for quite a few years, a lot of people don't know too, even the ones that look like they do. <laughs> so, so then what drives you to continue to do this work? Why, why is this your mission? When I first started in VC, um, and this is a story that I tell uh, to, to a lot of people, I'm very transparent about it. Like I was, there wasn't, you know, uh, many female investor, let alone a, a woman of color, uh, you know, in, in Canada, which is, is to my surprise, right? Um, you know, diversity, uh, the, being a diverse person, being female, there weren't, you know, that many uh, of us. And, you know, when I participated, not just with, with my previous funds, but in just general conversation with investors, I realized that, oh my gosh, investors are missing, you know, big opportunities here, not investing in female founders, not investing in the opportunities that we all know, you know, Femtech, sure, that, that's, that's one obvious categories, but I would argue that there are multiple more categories that female individuals understand and see as a mom, as, you know, uh, as a person, you know, in general, period. Um, and, and so, you know, I realized that, oh my gosh, like investors are just leaving, you know, money on the table, but just not looking at the opportunities here. But second of all, I realized that, you know, this whole, you know, venture investing, you know, needs to change. This whole sort of like boys club needs to change because, I mean, it's really not that whole scary. It does. It's not like a science, right? Like when I first started, I felt like, oh my gosh, like it's so hard to be a venture capitalist. It's so hard to be an investor. Like, you know, we have to act tough. We have to, you know, make it seem like, oh, you know, like Shark Tank, right? Like we're going to give tough feedback and we're going to say yes or no to their face right away. And if it's a no, it's going to be a harsh no or something like that. It's really not that. Um, and I've worked in this field for a while and I, you know, someone said to me that like, I'm like, uh, you know, crafting my own, you know, persona as an investor, right? Being an empathetic investor. And I'm like, that shouldn't even be a thing because we're all just individuals trying to allocate our money and our efforts into something that feels right. I was uh, reading something the other day, I can't recall exactly what the article was, but just sort of noticing that someone was speaking around kind of this internal struggle of like, you know, being a firm, tough businesswoman yeah. who's also empathetic, right? And and the the struggle to reconcile the two, which is interesting because we don't think in the same way when it comes to perhaps our male counterparts. But for some reason, women are questioned or there's this like binary relationship that we need to be one or the other. It makes me think about if we're looking at changing the face of investment, mm -hmm. if we're looking at changing how people truly understand the financial landscape and build that financial literacy, why do we need to keep the same binary frameworks that mm -hmm. have been a part of like establishing how we understand the financial world? How come that can't evolve as well? I'd love if you have any thoughts on that. Absolutely. I mean, I think the, the, <laughs> it probably it goes back, you know, to the historic time, right? Like why finance is such like the men's thing because women like stay at home and you don't, you don't touch the money. You don't do deal with the management and the investing and all that too. Like, yeah, like, I mean, absolutely all that needs to change because, you know, now we're all, you know, 
entrepreneurs, well, all investors, when I meet female investors and entrepreneurs, by the way, I, I, I always tell everyone that you don't call yourself female investors, you call yourself investors, you call yourself entrepreneurs, you call yourself a scientist, you don't call yourself a female scientist, because you you are just what you do. Um, and, you know, as much as there's the external part, right, that that has to change. Um, I like to think that the external part being something that we as an individual may not be able to control, but collectively, we may be able to move the needle, right? Like the Canadian woman in VC, you know, Vancouver Entrepreneurs Forum, you know, pushing the, the conversation boundaries, like collectively, yes, we can. But as an individual, what I like to say to myself is, you know, there's the external things I can't control, but there are internal things I can control, which are the voices inside my head. Like, oh my gosh, like, you know, <laughs> how am I going to show up at this meeting? You know, are they going to think that I don't know what I'm talking about? And, you know, all, all that. Um, and I would say that I'm able to arrive to this conclusion, probably because I've been in the room with enough men to know that there are sometimes they also don't know what they're talking about, too. You know what I mean? It's not it's not just a female and male thing. What, what do you think some of the challenges are that female founders face on a fundraising journey? So from your experience in the discussions that you have, in the perceptions that you, you know, kind of taken around you, what do you think some of those challenges actually are for female founders today or founders that identify as female or non-binary? First of all, I would say that, you know, the the bias is, is there and, and it's real. I'm not going to lie that, oh my gosh, there's no bias is on your head. Like it, it's there. Like I've seen it. I, I've experienced it. I've experienced being in a room with a female founder and pitching, not just to, you know, male investors, right? To other female investors as well. Like I've seen it. It's there. It's real. Um, but, you know, again, there are things we can control, but things we can't control. But I would like, like what I've seen a lot is, the confidence, you know, that are lacking in, in the female, you know, founders, which, you know, I'm not to say that, you know, like to blame that, like, it's not, it's their fault or anything like that. It is from the system. It is true. But female uh, founders typically are not as confident in terms of, you know, what they've done, right, what they've created, um, no matter how hard I try to pinpoint it to them that, oh my goodness, your company has more traction than 10 other companies I've seen in this field. You should actually be going out there raising more money or, hey, you should actually be pitching to these other investors that are more established groups, like, you know, the ones that are, you know, high profile with names, Silicon Valley and all that. Every time I talk to female founders, they always tell me, no, 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 I, I can't do that. I'm, you know, I'm not there yet. Um, so there's this notion of, you know, perfection, right? And I, I see that with myself, too. That I feel like I have to be perfect first before, you know, stepping into the next big things. And, you know, I, I, I just want to say that, like, even men that, that don't have the half of what you have, you know, they're going out there and they're doing it. Right. OK, so I kind of made a couple of notes here. So confidence being one of the challenges that um, women face walking into a room with investors or anyone really from an underrepresented community. There is that feeling of like, can I do this? That sort of imposter syndrome piece. Yes. So addressing confidence being, you know, one one um, area of work to be done. Um, you made another point around, you know, not just thinking about who's in the room, but I guess what, who do you want in the room? What room do you even want to be in? And that there's something to be said, I think, about shifting the power from the founder thinking about needing to, pres needing to pitch certain investors because that's what they need to do, switching the narrative 
Who do I want to invest in my business? Who do I want to be partners with? It's so funny because I literally wrote that down as one of the notes that like must like must must mention this in this podcast is that as much as it seems like investors are picking you because we've been watching Shark Tanks, we've been, you know, right? It's the notion of like them holding the check essentially so you have to almost kind of like get their permission um but as much as it's like it seems like that it's actually you that are picking who you want to partner with do due diligence on your investors um and this is a story i always always tell like you know when i go on panels and such um you know we uh invested in this one company where it's a really young female founder but she was so fierce because she had confident right that her products were much better than anyone else she was like 24 25 years old and you know uh, the fund you know that that was investing in her they're all like really old and gray right um and instead of you know uh sort of feeling like you know she has to beg for money she actually before we were giving her the term sheet she said hang on wait a minute let me do due diligence on you can you introduce me to your portfolio companies i'd like to know how you work with them especially in hard times especially when that that that's that's that day <laughs> where there's barely money left in the bank and we may need a bridge financing, um, I'd like to know how you step up to the game. That's what she did. And that blew us all away. Um, and this is not to say that you have to be like, you know, Elizabeth Holmes in Theranos, which is, <laughs> which is another story. Um, and it's quite unfortunate that, that her being a confident female founder has to sort of almost jeopardize the rest of the efforts being made here. That's not to say that there was something about like owning the podium, right? Thinking about like, who am I going to give a, you know, a share of my baby that I've, you know, <laughs> devoted my blood, sweat and tears to. Wonderful. Owning the podium. That's a good one. Um, okay. So what, what are some of the trends? Like, are you seeing change what is the environment starting to to look like is there hope a hundred percent i think the trends the biggest trend that i always say that i i i firmly believe in is that communities will change the way we do things communities will change the way we invest and communities will change the way we start companies um so i personally would really encourage anyone investors founders alike to gravitate towards those communities and be a part of the communities obviously there's so many to to pick from today so you know choose the right one do you know due diligence on the different groups uh, is it worth being a part of you know certain accelerator incubators or you know investment groups and, and so on but um i would say you know join the communities participate in the conversation because collectively you have you know stronger voice right to actually change things um i would also say that there are more emerging funds uh, emerging funds and fund managers, because they're, you know, angel investors as well, um, that are, you know, going into this like early stage investing fields. Um, so, you know, yes, it may take some time to actually find out who's who, um, you know, and who should I be talking to. Um, but, you know, they're, they're more um, of us now than, than ever. Um, so, you know, this is, this is a very hopeful uh, moment. Wonderful. Um, I guess my last uh, last point I just wanted to get some insights on. I know we've talked a little bit about this in our conversation today and, and we'll we'll want to share some resources. Um, you had mentioned um, communities, getting out there and engaging in communities as far as like how to start that financial literacy journey. Um, I know you mentioned a, um, 
uh, uh, what sounds like probably a very heady venture encyclopedia of sorts um, that maybe is, you know, kind of that uh, that playbook that all potential, you know, investors themselves, you know, kind of want to have under their belt. But what might be um, a couple other resources that you could recommend um, that would really be accessible resources for those that are just starting their journey? I would say that we all just have to to pick whatever um, sources, I guess, um, that you're comfortable and uh, convenient for you because there are so many out <laughs> of them to choose from, right? And and the key things uh, to you know really getting equipped with like being you know a financial literate is is to get familiar with it, is <laughs> to hear the same terms over and over again. So you're like, oh, cap table, that's what it is. Oh, pro rata. That's what it means. So you just have to keep hearing them and hearing them over again. And to be honest with you, there are so many terms in like the term sheets that I'm not familiar with because, you know, maybe it's never come up before in my investing experience. And this is the true for, for other investors too. Sometimes you think investors know it all. Like, no, we don't know it all. We also Google. Um, that's why we have legal opinions. That's why we have lawyers. We have counselors to kind of help us make the decisions because we don't know everything as well. Um, so, so don't be afraid uh, on that. But in terms of resources, I would say pick your battle. Um, you know, for me personally, I never find times to read books there. I, you know, I think I gave you a list of books <laughs> there for, for people to read and I highlighted some that I highly recommend because I actually read the entire book. But I just never found the times. For me, it's podcast. Um, I listen to podcasts all the time. Way back when, when we had the, you know, work in the office situation, you know, I would listen over and over again. Podcasts like A16C podcast, 20-minute VC podcast. Oh my gosh, Startup Podcast by Gimlet Media is painfully true. It is so funny. Anyway, there are many, many, you know, you you, you pick your battles. There are movies, there are groups. I, I learn a ton from talking to people. Um, I would say, you know, I owe my success today to some of the conversations with the founders, especially the ones that that I didn't end up investing in, because this majority of the times, you know, we we don't invest in in companies that we speak to, right? Um, and I've learned so much from from them. I've learned so much from speaking with you, you know, Michelle. I've learned so much from just being out there in the communities, to just hearing, you know, the panel discussion, hearing the same terms over and over again. I think that's how you get better. So choose your battle, books, podcasts, you know, websites, you know, going to in-person events. Wonderful. Kukai, thank you so much for joining us today. I really enjoyed our conversation and I'm so appreciative that you were able to share um, some of these wonderful kind of nuggets of where to start and and, um, how uh, your journey has been impacted along the way. So we'll leave it at that. And uh, hopefully some of our listeners will post some comments or we will see them at the next um, event and they can ask perhaps you more questions. Always, always welcome to. Thank you for having me. That has been all for today. As always, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.